I'm Lungisa Machoba. I represent uh, Yoko. Yoko is a company that allows small businesses to accept credit card payments using their mobile phone and a little device that we sell. My name is Shafin. I am a co-founder at Giraffe. We're trying to reduce unemployment in South Africa, but focusing in the lower to medium skill segment market. So we've created a very small, a very uh, simple app that helps job seekers register and create a CV using their phone from anywhere at any time. And we help businesses find the, uh, these job seekers quicker and faster than any other recruitment method. Okay, wow, that's pretty succinct. Uh, I, I take it you've been pitching that uh, that line quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, I've been practicing that for quite a while. So still, still trying to nail it in under in under fifteen seconds, but getting there. <laughs> the Americans will make you do that, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, then they hold your word to it. <laughs> Before we get into specifics about the companies, I have questions about what it is you guys do. Uh, you're part of the startup scene on the continent. A lot of our listeners are across the rest of the, the, the African continent. Their experience is, of course, very different to what, you know, what we experience here in Johannesburg, certainly in Cape Town. Uh, we also have people abroad listening to this podcast who, week after week, we get, we get comments from. We basically blow their minds because they, half the things we talk about, they didn't realize were happening on the continent. What are some of the bigger misconceptions you guys encounter in terms of traveling with your startups, representing not just your startups, but your country as you travel outside of South Africa and, and across the continent and other places in the world? Well, look, I think, I think from our end, I think it's, uh, I'm, I'm often very surprised by how surprised people are by the level of technology from South African startups. And, you know, the reason this surprises me a lot is if you look, there's some of the biggest technology companies in the world have set up technology offices here. If you look, Amazon's got an office in Cape Town, and it's driven largely by the fact that they're like, wow, look at this development talent here. So I'm always taken aback when people are like, did you really make this in South Africa? I'm like, are you serious? Really? <laughs> oh, and you? What, what, what do you get? I mean, exactly to add on to Lungi's point, um, people don't understand exactly how developed our ecosystem is, but also they don't think that we can really compete against the big players. I mean, yes, in South Africa, Facebook is the b- biggest marketing company, as is Google. Uber is the biggest taxi company. But, you know, th- these big San Fran-backed uh, startups don't live in South Africa, don't live in these emerging markets, and don't understand the problems we face, and don't understand our markets as well as we do. And this is where really there is a lot of opportunity for us to cause disruption, and even, to a certain extent, topple these Silicon Valley startups and, you know, yeah, really compete against them. And Topple, you did, specific to you, very recently having won that incredible competition, uh, inter- international seed stars competition, representing South Africa, of course, winning here first, and then going, uh, where was it? Was it, was it? Yeah, it was based in Switzerland, Geneva, yeah. So going to Switzerland and then winning there. Uh, that was crazy. What do you reckon held you in good stead, at least relative to everything else that came from all over the world? I have no idea, to be honest. I mean, look, the other startups that arrived there, there were 63 other startups from 55 other countries all over the world. And they had really cool innovation, um, some, some amazing products. Um, I think at the end of the day, maybe something that might have differentiated us is we had a pretty cool story, right? Um, we were a startup that started with uh, a very simple problem. We wanted to try and reduce unemployment, a massive problem in South Africa, and we wanted to leverage on the fact that we have high mobile penetration. Um, and it's a startup that we bootstrapped. It's been running for 15 months, and, you know, we put it in the market, we tested it, and it's, and it's working. We're getting people jobs every day. And I started off my presentation by showing examples of that, how we're making a, a difference in people's lives. And, you know, we are a for-profit enterprise, but we're very much a social enterprise. We want to use technology to impact people's lives and make a difference. And how big is the team? Um, so we're still extremely small. Like I said, we've been bootstrapping up until now. There's three in the team. So it's myself. I'm one of the co-founders. Um, Anish, who's our CEO, he's our sales machine. And we have this rock star developer, Bradley Cowie. Amazing. He's a genius. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's the team. Just three of us. Let's talk about fintech, Lungisa. We have, relative to the rest of the world, quite a, a progressive financial 
industry, I'd say, in terms of innovation. That said, relative to what needs to happen to meet the needs of emerging markets like, like we find on the continent, clearly these uh, institutions aren't doing enough. What's their blind spot that you're meeting? I think for us, it started with one specific blind spot. And the deeper we looked, the more we were like, oh my gosh, it's, there's just so much going on here that nobody's actually looking at. So really for us, the genesis of it was to say, you know, we saw a technology in the US, which is the Square credit card reader. And we looked at the market here and we're like, does this actually apply here? And we looked here, we're like, oh my gosh, this is such a big opportunity in this market. And the reason for it is that you have all these customers who cannot accept card. And the reason they cannot accept card is because they're literally being filtered out by the vetting systems of the current institutions offering card acceptance services. So effectively, we have more cards than adults in South Africa, but small businesses have no way of accepting these cards. They're just not being allowed into the system. And there are a number of reasons for this, but what we did was to set aside saying, let's go through every single one of these reasons and see if we can solve them. So we systematically went through and developed the business to make sure that we covered all the cases as to why these businesses couldn't accept cards. And that was the solution that we actually brought to the market. So looking at things like uh, making sure that you know, all our fraud and credit checks were automated and worked really, really well. One of my co-founders is an actual scientist. And the idea there was to say, let's reduce the risk that one takes on when taking on these kind of small uh, businesses and look at it from first principles, build it from the ground up because obviously the model as it is today isn't working when it comes to onboarding these kind of businesses. And we targeted an acceptance rate that normally isn't being targeted by anyone. So we said we want a 95% acceptance rate, not the current market 50% acceptance rate that everyone's seeing right now. And we want to make sure these businesses doesn't take months to turn them around. You know, we want to accept these businesses in four days or less. So these were some of the things that we kind of found in the market. Then once we looked a little bit deeper, we also found there's also an excess problem when it comes to access to real tools to run your business. So obviously accepting credit card meant that we'd built an application on a mobile phone. Once we had this application, we had so many things we could do to help these small businesses run and manage their business. And what we're actually seeing is, in many ways, because we built an application that did that, this application is now applicable even outside of card. We have people looking to sign up for our service that aren't even looking to accept credit card. They're like, look, I want a system to manage my cash business. And I think Yoko is perfect for that. So that's been the real sort of discovery that we've had as we've gone through. And I think that's probably one of the most exciting things is realize not just access to card, it's access to basic business management services. And I think that's quite exciting. So guys, let's talk about the most important metric, at least in my mind. Two important metrics, at least in my mind. Revenue and profit. Now, I know these are not popular metrics in Silicon Valley, because runways seem to be a mile long, or at least at least run around the world sometimes. Uh, as long as you know there's like happy metrics, Silicon Valley, uh, you know, investors seem to be okay with that and uh, seem to happy to wait it out. In Africa, I feel we don't have that luxury, and I think it's largely a good thing for us because it gets us determining whether things matter or not very quickly. Tell me about as much as you can. Tell me about where you guys are at in terms of the two metrics I mentioned. Cool. Um, you're probably not going to like my answer because I'm actually going against what, uh, what you just said. So for us, we were coming up with a concept that has never been done anywhere else, in, not in South Africa, not in Africa. And, you know, they're exploring it in other countries around the world, but it hasn't been done before. And so for us, we felt like we couldn't start charging our users until we perfected that model. So for the majority of last year, we, we weren't monetizing. And yes, we, we didn't have much of a runway. We were burning most of it up. Um, but, you know, it meant sacrifice. We, we, bent, we believed in our objective. And so it meant that both our founders didn't take a salary. It meant that I sold my car. It meant that we put most of our savings into the business to really test and reiterate and, and sort of build a product that we know that the market wanted. And once we got to that stage, only then did we start monetizing. So we've actually only just, just begun monetizing. In terms of growth, we're growing 
month on month uh, from a small base, of course, but by a large amount. I'm not going to disclose the exact uh, the exact specific specificities around it. Um, but so far, you know, we're really happy with that approach. You know, we, we took a while to make sure that we tweak the kinks out of the product and we feel we're at a stage where we're delivering the quality that we want. And now we've sort of turned on the revenue tab. And in fairness to you, though, um, when that sort of outlook is accompanied with bootstrapping, I can swallow it a little better. But in your case, uh, Lungisa, what, what what's the situation? So look, I mean, in our case, uh, we've always looked at this as a, it's, 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 you know, payments, you have to have a really big business for, you know, for you to start hitting the big revenues. Um, and this has got to do with, you obviously get volume breaks over time and all sorts of things baked into it. But ultimately, what we focused ourselves on was two metrics that we've really already released uh, quite publicly. And the one metric is obviously user growth. So at this stage now, we're growing at about 250 users per month. Um, and what's interesting about that figure is in October, when we first launched, that was closer to 50. Um, users being you know, new customers signing up a month. So we've had a really phenomenal growth at this stage. The other big factor, which is linked directly to revenue, but I'm just simply not going to go into the revenue figure directly right now. But the other figure linked directly to revenue is how much volume we're processing month on month. At this stage, we're processing 20 million rand plus in volume every single month. And in October last year, we were processing around 10 million rand. So you can see the growth that we've seen in that. You know, So these are kind of the big sort of uh, the big figures that we're targeting. And those are all directly linked to revenue. But as I said, I think at this stage, it would be a bit premature for us to start announcing what our revenue is. Yeah, give our competitors a bit of a bit of information they don't need right now. You've told us a lot more than information we tend to get, at least in our ecosystem. Well, what do you think that's about, though? We're, we're a very information-starved ecosystem relative to, to not just Silicon Valley, really quite quite anywhere in the world. Everywhere in the world, people are quite happy to talk rands and cents, dollars and cents, pounds and cents, euros and cents. What's different here? Why, why are we so secretive, do you think? So I think companies don't hide information. They hide the void, right? So ultimately, like when we say, cool, let's announce our figures, it's because we know there's not a void there. These are real figures and we actually have traction in the market. Mm. A lot of the time when people want to hide those figures, it's because there isn't the traction behind it. You know? And unfortunately, I think, you know, it is a case where we have had a bit of a history uh, you know, in the African startup space, which is why we need a model that's different from what's been happening elsewhere, is companies need to prove the metrics. And this is what we're all going out to do. And I think there's a lot of new businesses right now that are out there to prove the metrics. So I think it's, it's a change that's happening. And we're going to see a lot more businesses sharing the metrics. Why? Because they have them. You know, we're at a point now where a lot of the startups starting in this new ecosystem that's coming up have real metrics to show. So you're going to hear a lot more figures coming out of companies, both in South Africa and other places around Africa too. Yeah, acquisitions too, though. Uh, we never get information around that. And I feel, especially for a fledgling ecosystem like ours, at least here in South Africa, I think it's crucial for you know to inspire entrepreneurs that are coming up also to prevent them from making the same mistakes. I mean, when was the last time you heard real data around a major acquisition done locally? Well, maybe, maybe, maybe it happens in Cape Town. I don't know. <laughs> in Joburg, not so much, eh? Not so much. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, you, to your point, you know, learning on other people's past mistakes. How often do you hear of startups shutting down as well and, you know, what they did wrong? In, from Silicon Valley, every single day you see announcements of investments happening, but every time a startup closes down, immediately there's this sort of post-mortem that's conducted by every sort of tech, tech site that's around. In South Africa, that doesn't seem to exist. You see a lot of new startups announcing their services, launching, big growth, blah, blah, blah. A um, couple of months down the line, you don't hear from them and, and you, don't, you just don't know what happened. You, you know the Twitter account stopped uh, tweeting six months ago and that's the end of it, you know? Um, and you're right, we need to be sharing more of this information. At the, at the end of the day, the startup ecosystem in South Africa is still extremely young and, you know, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. We need to learn from other people's mistakes. We need to uh, impart wisdom, share, share knowledge and, 
uh, I completely agree with you. We need we need to foster that sort of behavior. The last question I want to ask you both is, given what you just said, what are the two things that you've learned from your experience? Perhaps one thing that you would have done differently, avoided entirely maybe, and one thing perhaps you'd have done more of. So I think I'll start with the thing we would have done more of. Um, you know, if I look back on our history as a company, um, one of the things that served us really well at the start when we sort of uh, found the organization was we were super optimistic about everything we could do. Um, which meant that we looked at the space and we were like, we can do that. We can get in there. It's so easy to get in there. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And I think over time, you get into a bit of a reality phase where you start to realize, okay, wait, no, there may be certain things you can't do. And we're now going back to a more positive space where it's like, no, let's keep pushing. Let's make sure we're constantly, you know, have that sense of like, we can achieve anything. And I think that's probably the most, the thing that I want to do more of because at the start, that was the most powerful thing. We wouldn't have been able to even launch the business if we weren't living in that sort of optimistic place where you feel like you can do anything. So it's probably the most powerful thing. And the thing you'd, you'd have done less of or avoided entirely? So in terms of the thing I would have avoided entirely, I think especially at the start when we set off, we spent too much time trying to raise investment capital from people who would not give us capital. You know, so one of the things we, we went around and we saw so many different people and we hadn't yet learned how to filter out who's going to give you money and who's not. You know, and I think, to be honest, one of the biggest uh, filters that we learned was have a look at their history. You know, you're not going to be the first of anything. Every now and then you have a company be the first, but if they've never invested in a, in a, in a company like yours, there's a big risk they're not going to do it. So we waste a lot of time speaking to funds that hadn't invested in Africa and weren't interested necessarily in investing. Speaking to local investors that hasn't taken the kind of risk that we were needing them to take, given what we needed to raise and what we needed to do. So we really had to realize that, look, filter them out very quickly. Don't engage in overly long conversations with people who you know or you aren't going to get there. Why? You need to see a lot of people to raise capital. So have a very strong filtration process. You revisit them in later rounds, but move on. All right. Well, and your two? Something you do more of and something you cut out completely or not do anymore. So funny enough, in terms of cut off, it's pretty much the exact same thing. Uh, investment in, in Africa, in South Africa, the ecosystem is is extremely young, right? And to your point earlier, um, because there's so much limited capital, they only look at two metrics, you know, revenue and, you know, fine, user acquisition is relevant, but revenue, revenue and revenue growth. And you know, there's so many of these conversations we've had. And for us, when we were testing this concept, we told them, you know, we're not actually monetizing yet. And this was just something that a lot of the South African investors simply couldn't fathom. And, you know, we would have like lengthy discussions with them over three month periods, only to realize actually, seriously, because you guys aren't generating revenue yet, maybe a bit too early stage. And, you know, we should conclude these discussions now. Like, hey, why, why did you entertain these discussions for three months, you know? So, yes, definitely stop wasting your time on, on, on useless investors. Um, and especially at the, at the beginning, if you're, monetar- if you're not monetizing and you're bootstrapping and you're still trying to prove the concept, put your head down and focus on that. That's the most important thing. Um, and then do more of, I think it's just, and now I, I can easily say this because we're in a more optimistic time with our business, um, having just closed a seed round, which we haven't announced yet which will be announced at some point, and you know, having won this competition with, with half a million dollars in equity funding. So we're, we're a lot more um, you know, optimistic. But throughout this journey, there was a lot of low points, right? We'd compare ourselves against um, Silicon Valley investors that have raised 8 million, 10 million US dollars in you know, Series A and even in seed rounds much higher than us. And we were like, what are we doing? Is this market big enough? Is this something that will will get adopted and you know um some there are bad days and there are good days and sometimes you know especially when you're bootstrapping and you haven't got that sort of validation from um from investors it's you know it's tough to stay optimistic um but you know i think there was an interesting article by uh paul paul graham and he basically it was basically don't die 
right? And it was an interesting article. And Ollie said was, as a startup, if for you to survive, all you need to do is you shouldn't die. And you need to do whatever you can to to prevent that from happening. Um, and, you know, it's all about staying optimistic and staying positive and, you know, focusing on the business, focusing on your customer, focusing on your product. And eventually, you know, uh, the metrics will turn up. Well, gentlemen, here's to mastering the art of not dying. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, do you want to give a quick shout out to your neighborhoods where you grew up? Or I don't know who you want to give a shout out to uh, real quick. Yeah, so I'm actually not from South Africa. So Gab City representing. I'm from- You're from Botswana? Yeah, that's where I'm from. <laughs> <laughs> that's random i'm from zim we're all neighbors yeah yeah, yeah. Now i've been to zim before <laughs> that's awesome shout out for you i'll give a shout out to east london the eastern cape you know it's my hood it's where i'm from <laughs> all right man shout out to skies man you know where it's at Bulawayo. shop guys thanks so much man awesome thank you thanks for having us thank you very much cheers